Hello and welcome to Runway Girl Network in Conversation, a deep dive into aviation and the passenger experience. I'm RGN contributing editor John Walton, and today I'm in conversation with Joanna Bailey and Thomas Boone from Simple Flying, as we compare and contrast the new Airbus A350 business class seats from British Airways and Virgin Atlantic. But first, thanks to our sponsor. In Conversation is brought to you by Bolteron, a Simona company, purveyor of high-performance thermoplastics for tomorrow's aircraft interiors. With new and groundbreaking innovations in design capabilities, Bolteron offers airlines the ability to customize the cabin with lightweight materials with metallic effects, translucent decorative panels with unique embedded patterns, dynamic textures, vibrant pearlescence, and much more. Learn more at boltaron.com. Now, Joe, Tom, welcome to In Conversation. Hello. Thanks for having me. Delight to have you here. Now, when it comes to business class, British Airways and Virgin Atlantic have been real innovators in their time. So Virgin had the first angled life lap business class seat, the J2000, uh, in 1999. BA followed swiftly with the first fully flat seat, the Club World product, um, which uh, its manufacturer, Contour, which is now Saffron Seats, uh, called the Mohawk. That's the one with the flappy fan, um, which it later evolved into the current product, or I guess the previous product, um, that forwards-backwards one with the uh, translucent divider. Um, manufactured by uh, Collins, previously BE Aerospace, and they've been refreshing that slightly over the last decade and a, and a half, basically. But now we've got new seats on new planes. So BA has the Collins Aerospace Super Diamond with a door, and Virgin has the Saffron Cirrus NG. These are both outward-facing herringbones. Now, Virgin's, of course, is a double outward-facing herringbone. Um, the center seats point towards the windows, as do the uh, outboard seats, uh, whereas BA's center seats point together. Joe, you're the Virgin Atlantic expert here. What's your take on this? How much of a change is it for Virgin Atlantic? Well, I think it's a massive improvement, John, to be honest. It's, um, you know, the the old configuration where you had kind of the seats facing into the middle. You know, that wasn't popular with passengers. It wasn't very private, didn't offer a lot of space. It was comfortable. Um, but in terms of kind of modern day requirements for privacy and, and, you know, a bit of personal space, I think the new product really sets the bar a bit higher. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you and I both flew on it on a uh, on special media flight that Virgin put on. Um, we did. How, how did you find the seat when, when you were on the plane? Honestly, I was completely comfortable. I mean, you know, I'm not a large lady. I'm, I'm only five foot four, but I found it super comfortable. I had a lovely sleep on the way back from America. Um, there were a few niggles, which I'm sure we're going to get into shortly. But uh, how did you find it yourself, John? Well, look, I really liked it. Um, I, I am a large lady, as it were. Um, <laughs> so I'm six foot three or one metre ninety in, in metric money. Um, and one of the things I was worried about is with the newer generation of seats, uh, there's often a bit of constraint there. So those old seats did, of course, have their flaws, um, one of which was they all pointed towards the aisle. So you were sort of you know, kind of looking over the edge of the of the seat at, at whoever was uh, sort of facing you. Um, but what they didn't have was any constriction around the feet and ankles. Um, and they were they were nice and wide at the shoulders as well. And I was delighted to see that this seat was equally as good and not just in the front row. So Virgin Atlantic were very clever. They put me in the front row, which has a bit more space on the way out. Uh, but I actually swapped with, with one of our mutual friends on the way back um, just so I could have a sleep in the... 
um, in in the smallest one just to see what um, you know what that was like, and I was super impressed. Um, I found there was a lot of space at the knees. Um, I found that uh, I could sleep on my side or on my back or even on my front, which is very unusual in business class um, because I end up sleeping you know with my elbows out and my head on my hands kind of thing. Um, and also, I, I particularly thought that the amount of cushioning in sleeping mode was very comfortable. Um, yeah. In a, Virgin also has the um, ha, has the uh, a little bit of um, massage pad, massage pad, mattress pad, <laughs> um, and although a massage pad would be lovely, I don't know why they don't do that. Absolutely, note to self airlines. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but they've got a bit of a mattress pad, which is which is a plus. Um, but I actually wasn't expecting the new seat to be as comfortable for sleeping as the old one. Um, that old That's one I always really thought was was great. Um, you know, I did that um, straight through uh, London to Auckland once, um, and and yeah, I, I I thought it was a it's it's a great seat for sleeping. So I'm delighted to to see the new one is is as good. I wasn't, however, as persuaded, Tom, and I don't know what, what your thoughts here. Um, I wasn't as persuaded by the sleeping part of the BA seat. I found that a bit constricted around the ankles um, and around the knees, particularly with the table, and also just the general shape of the seat without any of the, the space carve-outs that some of those earlier models of Super Diamond, even on the A350 hand, like that, that Qatar Airways seat. I think it's a really interesting point that you've raised about the um, knee room because um, when I was on the media flight for the British Airways A350, the cabin crew made a point of telling me that they've intentionally placed the table high so that you can roll over without knocking against parts of the chair um, and disturbing your sleep. And I mean, I when I laid in it, I didn't find some, uh, I had a problem, but then then again, um, whereas you guys were put up for um, the overnight flight, BA operated the flight to Madrid, so I haven't had the chance to have the full sleep yet. Yeah, um, I went to and from Toronto, um, and yeah, it was. I was actually quite surprised. Um, you know, I there's a a metal lip on the on the table that faces you, and I definitely felt my my shorts clad leg. Um, brushing up against that cold metal lip. Um, and I think it's, there was also a thing, I could sleep on my side in one direction, but not the other. Yeah, I think it's very much, um, I think the, the way it's designed, it kind of leads you to sleep facing outwards, away from the side, the towards the door, because that just seems a little bit more spacious with the armrest that drops down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. And and I think what what's, what was really interesting to me is that there's there's look there's a huge improvement between that and the and the previous yeah, seat, of course. For sure. Right. I mean that previous seat, you know, uh, on the on needed a refresh. Oh God, absolutely. I mean that thing is is best part of well, depending on where you where you start from, it's between you know thirteen to eighteen years old kind of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, so you know a huge improvement for British Airways. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there were, there were a few things like that. Um, I really liked the table, for example. Um, I liked how that comes down in that usual super diamond way. Um, yeah. But on my return flight, the 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 retaining latch didn't didn't click in. So you had to sort of you had to have it all the way down, or it it, it clicked back. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they change that. Um, yeah, I think there's been a couple of teething problems on it. Um, I heard most recently actually that the um, door handles will be uh, replaced. 
Yes, well, this is one of those um, deeply nerdy things that I'm really enjoying following, um, is how the certification for these new doored mini-suites um, is changing. Yeah. So one of the things that you have to have when you have uh, one of these doored mini-suites, in other words, a business-class style suite rather than a first-class style suite with the double doors, so one of the things you have to have is a secondary exit mechanism of some form. So uh, on the Qatar Airways Q-Suite, which was the first one of these, that is a pull-out door, right? So, so basically there's a, there's a handle, um, an emergency little latch behind the handle, um, and you pull out the door panel, throw the door panel behind you, and you walk out through the, the door when it's stuck in closed position. Um, this one is, is, is actually very interesting, and, and I'd suggest that you, the, the, any listeners who aren't familiar, do check out the, the article on Run Miguel Network. Um, the, what happens is normally the door just slides backwards and forwards, um, and you don't need to um, uh, turn a handle or pull a switch or anything um, to make the door move back and forwards. It, it, just, it just slides. The problem is, basically at eye level, there is a big red handle, um, which too many people are assuming is a handle that they need to pull just to open the door, just to pop out to the loo or wherever. Um, this is one of those uh, unfortunate things that it looks like got too far down the uh, down the proverbial rabbit hole of passenger experience uh, before anyone <laughs> anyone tried it with real passengers, um, rather than uh, you know either a, a bunch of airline reps or seat maker people uh, or even frequent flyers. Right, I think that um, while a lot of airlines use frequent flyers as as their test by, um, as test guinea pigs, I guess. Um, Part of the problem with that is that those people really know how planes work and, and, and how the passenger experience on business class um, should work. And so they're like, oh, that is an emergency thing. I shouldn't pull it. Mm. Uh, so despite having double placards now that say in emergency only, um, the airline is indeed going to be uh, working with Collins and one assumes Airbus and, of course, EASA uh, to uh, to really have a go at seeing how they can make that a little bit less um, uh Less prominent for everyday use, because the problem is that when you pull that, um, the the door, uh, I'm not entirely sure how it works, because for some reason they wouldn't let me take the seat apart to figure it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Collins, Do they know who you are? Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, the, the BA press team did tell them, so uh, that's, that's fair enough. Um, but no, so they, the, there's some sort of mechanism where when you pull this handle, the door, it seems like it falls onto a second set of tracks or something um, or or sort of falls free and then there's a second handle which is hidden quite a ways down and in that pulls it back onto these tracks or, or reseats it somehow. Um, the problem is that while that only takes you know 15-20 seconds it's a bit of a faff and these doors have to be locked um, so at the moment there's very much a series of announcements about so that red handle, don't pull the red handle. The door does just slide. Please don't pull the red handle. If you do pull the red handle, please come and talk to us. Um, <laughs> which was That's hilarious. It's you know, <laughs> I'm sure that normal humans, like people who are not us, um, like oh okay, they they, they don't realise that, that that's the don't break the door uh, <laughs> spiel. Um, but but yeah, it's it's interesting. And and look, I mean. All credit to, to, to Collins. This is a mechanism that I spotted them um, uh, looking at uh, early this year on their new element seat, which is the sort of uh, next generation super diamond. Um, so, you know, they've been they've been thinking about this this methodology for quite some time. Um, and, you know, it's it will be interesting to see how that evolves. Um, 
Now, speaking of things that needed some rework, um, Joe, I'm... <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, they didn't think very hard about those tray tables, did they? They did not. They did not. Now, um, <laughs> Joe, do you want to explain how these tray tables work for, for people who haven't read either the Runway Girl piece or been on this aircraft? Sure. Um, I mean... So you've got this enormous tray table, which is great because you kind of need the big table to, you know, it's a big solid table. You can do your work on it. They can lay it out all nicely for your dinner. The trouble is it is just one solid piece. It slots into the back of the seat in front. And when you want to bring it down, you kind of press the button and down it comes. But it's absolutely enormous. And because of the lack of space, if you like, between the tray table and the seat, even the more slender of flyers will find that it's pressing against their tummy. If you like your food a bit like me and you have a little bumpy tummy, it actually doesn't fit. It doesn't, it just doesn't work. And if you're in anything but the most upright position in your seat, you've got no chance. Um, so, I mean, I managed to get it down. I was sitting perfectly upright, which was fine for dinner. But, you know, when you're kind of relaxing and maybe you want to, I don't know, put your iPad on there or just have some bits in front of you, it, you really couldn't sort of lay the seat back or recline at all and still have the tray table there. It's just too big. Um, so clearly they either tested it with some really small people who didn't really want to lay down or they just failed to really put it to the test with real people at all, um, which seems like a bit of a gaffe on Virgin's part. But all credit to the Virgin team. They know that this is an issue. They've recognised from day one that this really wasn't working for everyone um, and they're already in the process of uh, retrofitting folding tables. So from what I understand, and you probably know more about this than I do, John, um, the new retrofitted tables will still slot into the back of the seat in front, but they'll come down in two parts, a bit like the tables in economy. So you can either have it fully unfolded for your dinner, or you can kind of fold it in half so that you can just have a small place to put your bits and pieces and still recline your table. Yeah, so as, as I understand it, um, instead of this, um, this large table, and it is a, look, it's a really big table, and that's great. Um, but the problem is you don't really need a really big table um, because, you know, even my massive 15-inch laptop fit on it with oodles of space to spare. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Virgin does a, a, a plated service, so you don't need the entire space for the for the for the Freddy trays, right? Um, so this whole thing sort of pivots on its bottom edge down towards you and then slides uh, sideways to rotate so that you're looking at it as you're um, in the in the herringbone angled seat. Yeah. Now, as I understand it, and I haven't seen any of the drawings, etc., for or, or any of the, the mock-ups for us, instead of the whole thing folding down, it'll be a half-size fold down. Right. And then... As I understand it, the, the half-size part will slide horizontally and then it'll unfold in the other direction um, so that you do get that extra space so that you can, you know, enjoy the, the thoroughly delightful, I have to say, afternoon tea service yeah. while not sort of sitting up prim and proper like Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey. <laughs> That's good. But it's a bit of a, a disaster for Virgin that it managed to make it onto the plane, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I've got a lot of sympathy for Virgin, of course. Um, you know, the lead time that you need to do in terms of getting seats on the plane, they chose this product before Saffron, um, or well, Zodiac as was, um, fell apart in terms of production quality, in terms of timing, in terms of design availability. Um, so they had a choice to either stick with it or abandon ship. 
and they chose to stick with it. And, you know, I'm not sure I'd have made another decision uh, other than that, um, even with all the benefit of hindsight. Um, now, what's very clear is that there's a quite a bit of that seat that they have worked very hard on, Virgin, with Saffron, to avoid the sort of situation that Cathay had with their Cirrus seats on the A350, where, you know, huge, huge problems around uh, build quality, you know, bits of the seat falling oh, off, um, trim that's being detached, um, you know, uh, lavatory walls held together with packing tape. Um, so, and, and, you know, if you look very closely, you can see that Virgin has obviously had, um, a sort of, a set of fillers applied here. Um, there are still problems. Um, yeah. some of the shrouding, for example, uh, doesn't line up properly. So there's a, a, a very, very attractive, um, orangey brown fabric shroud, um, around the back of the seat, which does a, a pretty good job of, of cutting down some of the external noise when you're asleep. That should line up neatly, but it doesn't. Um, so all in all, yes, um, not, I'm sure, what Virgin wanted. No. Um, but at the same time, not only are they fixing it, um, but also they figured out a, uh, a soft product semi-fix for it. So um, what's interesting is the front row where I was on the way out, that table is another ooh, six inches or so further away from you. Ah. So I found that just fine. But on the in row, I think it was in row two on the way back, um, that it was just it was just uncomfortable. You know, I didn't want my tummy being pressed on while I was trying to eat. No. Um, so what I actually ended up doing was that the crew um, uh, very cleverly set everything up on a little bit of side table. You know, that little bit of triangular oh, side yeah. table yeah. that um, is the extension of the of the sort of foot box slash uh, cubby hole next to you. Yeah. Um, and they served that very very nicely and and, and very you know low key, very easy um, on Which there. Which is um, very so, flexible of them, but you know, in essence, they shouldn't have needed to in the first place. Um, you know, they should yeah. have had a tray table that worked. Funny that you're mentioning the cubby because. That's literally the only bit of storage space on there. I'm supposed to be the virgin cheerleader here. I don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> I, I did find that there was hardly any storage space on the seat. As much as the seat was comfortable, the screen was amazing. Where do I put my stuff? And, oh, you've um, gone. Yeah. BA, the BA has so much storage space on their new seat. I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> well, yeah, but yes. And so I agree with both of you there. Um, so on the virgin seat... Yeah, it's that was a bit of an oversight. Um, I feel like I would probably have tried to somehow certify at least the 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 more of the footwell area to put things because there really is nowhere to to, to store your stuff. And it's very frustrating um, when the the flight attendants come round before landing or just as you're taking off, and you have to put every single thing in the overhead locker. Everything you know, you can hold yeah, onto a phone yeah. if you're very lucky, but your pillow, your bag, your ipod your your computer everything has to go up the top which is kind of inconvenient yeah. if you're just kind of relaxing and you know in most other premium cabins there would be somewhere to stash a few little bits and bobs wouldn't there yeah absolutely and and i think this is probably one of the problems with going with so they're the first customer for the um serious ng product um and i suspect that subsequent customers they'll figure out some way to create extra storage. Um, what somewhere that I think is an obvious answer to that is in that um, armrest that comes up and down, yeah. or even below the armrest that comes up and down, right? I've seen a lot of 
um, examples, including Virgin's old seat, um, where one of the storage spaces is inside the armrest, and that's sort of a natural, um, uh, not not locking, but it's a it's a hideaway, uh, and it's a safe place when you're sleeping to put your wallet and your phone and your glasses and stuff. Yeah. Um, now, on the BA side, Tom, yeah, I absolutely agree with mm. you. BA has a great set of spaces to put things. So they've got the... <laughs> they've got the, it's the, it's the usual super diamond um double cubby yep. right and the double cubby gives you first of all there's a, there's one that will fit your wallet and your glasses and your boarding pass and passport yep. and the contents of your pockets yep. basically and there's the other one which is the um the charging uh and uh, it's got the the charges are in there it's the uh, remote for the IFE yeah. um so it's the space. the headphone jacks etc it's the one with all the wires yeah. poking out of it basically um and what but what i found was interesting is and, I, and i'm not sure whether they had this on the on the madrid flights that had to be completely um that had to be verified by a crew member that nothing was charging inside during yes, the takeoff I or landing had, um every time something happened they came around and they said oh sir please unplug your thing um and but they weren't checking inside they saw that i still had the cable coming out um so whether you could have got away with it inside on that point i don't know yeah no they were they were on the way back from toronto they were literally saying could you just pop that open so i can check it yeah. please um and you know look i am in favor of not of the plane not <laughs> yeah. burning down because there's been some sort of surge and someone's phone has gone yeah. up right um entirely in favor of safety yep. um but but yeah that was that was tricky um and what i did note however in terms of storage is that both of these airlines kept the center overhead bins um now this this is an interesting and, and controversial thing and i don't know where you guys said i'm very much on team keep the center bins um i don't find that i that the a350 or really any aircraft these days is so claustrophobic that i gain a huge amount by having this expansive center yeah. section with you know just a roof yeah well i mean you've got plenty of space still in the cabin um with them there and i mean if you want to take a bag on with you that's not going to fit um, under the seat in front of you where the ottoman is. You need it, um, and yeah, I mean, you need, it doesn't hurt. In in my opinion, it's not detrimental to the experience on the aircraft that they're there. No, I agree, Tom. Yeah. It's it's. I didn't even notice they were there to be honest. But I think particularly on the A three fifty with the extra wide body, it's such a spacious feeling aircraft anyway it wouldn't add anything to take them away. In fact, it would probably feel a bit weird, a bit like you're flying in some sort of church. Yeah, and well, it's, it's, I, I see exactly what you mean because I've, I've, uh, there are a couple of airlines that have done that. And so part of the problem then is it actually gets quite echoey in there. Mm. Um, and the other thing is that, okay, you've got, let's say each business class traveller comes with one and a half bags and we're being generous yeah. here, right? It's going to be two. Um, they're going to be the larger type of yeah. bags. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. um, you additionally have all of the airline bedding. You've got a pillow. Um, you've got an amenity kit to throw up there. You might have a sleep set. Um, you know, m- maybe you've brought an extra pair of shoes or something with you. Um, perhaps you pick up some duty free. It involves a bit of Tetris if you're trying to fit two people into one yeah. bin. Whereas one person per bin is, you know, you're, you're, you're swimming in space and that's yeah. great. You can never have too much storage um, on an airplane. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I agree. So I'm 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 very much anti this uh, this idea that that we we take the bins out of the centre section, um, and uh, you know even with these these new bigger bins on the on on the new aircraft, um, I'm 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 firmly there. Um, so 
Tom, what was your overall take on the on the BA seat? Um, how did you find the the um, the CMF? So the color materials and finish. So I mean, with the color materials, there's a couple of sort of minor issues that I have overall with the seat, and they're sort of stuff that it's they're little niggles. You know, they're not like things that would say make me say I'm not going to fly it. Um, and I think one of those could be the colours, you know, it's it's very dark and grey and I don't like the inside of the privacy door looks like it's just got carpet on it. And that to me was a bit weird. Um, yeah, and it's not, not, not nice carpet. It's sort of industrial carpet that I remember from boarding yeah, school. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, the, the, the stuff that it doesn't matter if the kids try and set it on fire kind of carpet. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. But um, I mean... That's sort of like the feet areas was quite grey, but then obviously you've got the white panels around elsewhere and the big windows bring in a lot of light. So overall, I, I think it's it's fine, you know. Um, it's just other than that carpet on the door. But um, it's not, I mean, at the end of the day, if that's the difference between you flying club suite and somewhere else, then, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna not fly it because I don't like yeah. the the material on the door. But yeah. at the same time, you know, airlines and the, the supplier industry spend a huge amount of money on creating this this experience. Yeah. Um, and as part of the gestalt of flying British Airways rather than Virgin, um, it's it's in there. You know, if you come into the seat, and you're like, oh, that looks that looks beige and grey. I think it's got a sort of very premium feel about it, you know, like having the black iPhone, for example. The the it's not black, it's space grey. You know, that's kind of the feeling I get walking into the British Airways business class suite. It seems like quite a premium sort of colour set. Yeah, so it does. I'm just not sure. I mean, look, BA doesn't really have a premium colour set itself. Yeah. Right. Um, I think if you compare this to some of the other products, not, not necessarily the, the Virgin product, um, although I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. If you look at the difference between that and United Polaris, for example, yeah. with the, re- the set of premium materials there and the way that they used different textures and colours and types of material to break up that, you know, uh, the tunnel of thermoplastic that you see. Um, yeah. Same with the Delta One Suite, right? Um, there's a whole bunch of different, different materials, different colours, different textures. Um, yeah, I, it does feel premium, and, but in a very boring way. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like a Merc. It feels like a nice Ford Mondeo. But that's British Airways all over, really, isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> premium, yeah. but boring. <laughs> I mean, it does what it says on the tin. What more do you need? <laughs> right. I mean, the problem is that the tin is now sort of five, six, six thousand pounds. And I think that the people who are flying a business class are more likely to be expecting, certainly from 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 the, the competition, um, you know, a, a bit of a car class upgrade, as it were. Yeah. Um, now, Joe, what did you think about the, the, the way the Virgin cabin looks? Do you know what? I really liked it. Um, it was light. It was bright. When you get on, they tend to set the mood lighting to sort of virgin aubergine, which was a really nice touch, I thought. You know, it, it kind of made it a bit fun. Um, 
loves the leather seats they were really comfortable loves the little accents of gold here and there I think that gives it a really kind of fun and luxurious thing the only bit I wasn't too sure about was the fabric that kind of goes around the back of the upper class pod it's it's a woven fabric and if you look at it closely it's actually got all virgin's colors in there and and sort of a the overall appearance is like a salmony pink and it's just a bit I think my grandma used to have a sofa in that colour when I was a little girl. And it was just a little bit like, oh, why did they choose that? Um, But overall, I think it was lovely. There's lots of white, like I say, lots of gold. There's a real glass shelf in the little cubby. Um, And the the plastic panelling that you're kind of facing when you're sitting in the seat looks white. But if you look closely, it's actually like that sort of pearlescent white that they paint their planes in. So it's like... It kind of in keeping with the livery of the aircraft as well, which I thought was a really nice touch. What did you yeah. think, John? Oh, look, I, I really liked it. I thought it felt, look, it felt very virgin. And and here we have, you yeah. know, clear blue branding water between the two airlines, right? Um, virgin is a, a, probably more of, a, of an Italian luxury car um, where, you know, yes, the, sometimes the basics aren't there, like it breaks down, but actually when it's good, it's amazing and it looks beautiful. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes there are, there are ways like, you know, the, the, the handbrake is on the ceiling and, you know, the thing to open the... the the, the fueling tank is is in the center console hidden behind a lever or something but it does look amazing virgin did a great job in terms of their mood lighting as you say and um, both in daytime and nighttime um whereas the, the ba didn't ba didn't make much use of that at all um i love that as you said that, that sort of pearlescent mica kind of feel um to to that to to to, to, to the thermostats that you're basically staring at yeah, that's it. It's not just it's not just white plastic. It's kind of interesting yeah. to look at, and it really yeah. reflects all the light from your nice big window as well, which I loved. Exactly. Um, now, BA has done something slightly uh, similar but different in a way. Um, so that that big curve of of thermoplastic that you look at, um, they've textured that mm. um, with with that signature Rockwell Collins sort of ripple wave um, that's on the front panel in the cabin. Um, yeah. But writ, writ very small, um, and I thought that that was a really a really nice touch um, to to do that slightly differently. Um, now I, uh, let's talk about doors too. Um, so <laughs> at, at the main entrance door for the aircraft, um, British Airways has the club kitchen, which is essentially a, um, a medium grey uh, thermoplastic wall with two fridges and a little display area. Whereas Virgin have the loft, which is, I believe it's a six or eight seater set of sofas with yeah. a great big window, uh, not big, a great big screen. Um, a, uh, there's, there's lots of, you know, some interesting roof texture. It's a lovely space. Um, Joe, do you have a chance to, to, to sit down there during the flights? Not very often, um, because on the way there, as you know, there were lots of interviews and stuff going on in that area. But on the way back, I did get to spend a bit of time in there all by myself because everyone else had gone to sleep. And I tell you what, it really does have the wow factor. You know, there's a gold plated chandelier on the ceiling. There's all these little kind of twinkling LED lights, like you're looking at the stars, you know, all around the area. The sofa's super comfortable. And then you've got this massive 32 inch touch touch screen monitor in front which you can link up to, I think, 
several people can link up to it with their Bluetooth headsets. So you can sit and watch a movie, you know, with your friends and family, if you're all privileged enough to be traveling in upper, upper class together. Um, and I think the, the big change here is the fact that they've now certified that area for um, seatbelts. So if there's a bit of turbulence or the seatbelt sign goes on for some reason, you don't have to get up and go back to your seat. You can stay there, carry on having your, your movie night or um, as someone suggested, a silent disco. I was really hoping that happened on our flight and it so didn't, damn it. Um, you know, but you can stay in that area and you can carry on enjoying your experience rather than having to hop up and go back to your seat. So I think it's an incredible thing. And I think it's much more appropriate than a bar in this day and age where, you know, it's a you can still get a drink, but it's not like perching on stools around a bar, which not many of us do in our spare time anymore anyway. Right, exactly. Um, I, I had a chance to, to chill out there in the morning. Um, you know, I, I sort of got up after breakfast and had my, my fourth and fifth cups of tea, um, uh, just sort of chatting with the crew and chatting with other people on the flight. Um, and it was it was a really great space. Um, they've they've done a smart thing in that the the cat the galley is immediately behind it, um, and that's that's really clever because that that means that the crew are still there that you can still sort of chat with the crew and they can see whether they need a drink on the way past etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But it, you're not sort of in a space that's going to be needed for the service, um, and that was part of the problem with with the club kitchen, um, particularly on the overnight where. It, there was just some stuff left out and not enough glasses and the wrongs, not all the right sort of glasses. Like, so there were, there were water glasses left out, but no wine glasses, even though there was wine out there and wine in the fridge. Um, the, the, the snack selection on BA was, well, it was some, you know, a bit of Cambry's chocolate, um, and some crisps. I mean, not, not the sort of innovative, thoughtful snack experience a lot of other airlines, a lot of other airlines use. And it's just a bit grey. You know, and, and and I hate coming back to this sort of um, and whinging about the CMF, but actually CMF is important. Um, and and the the that wow factor that you talk about, Joe, is 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 it's equally important because you've got to have that um, something to say you're on this airline, yeah. Right? And everyone um, passes through that area. You know, whether you're upper premium economy economy as you're boarding everybody gets that wow factor which i think is really clever of virgin actually yeah yeah no totally um now having said that it's true of course that these aircraft are also um uh, potentially intended to go on to work for iberia um i don't know if you noticed tom um the, all the ba planes uh, outside the seating area all of the placards are in both english and spanish yeah you know i didn't actually notice that myself um I noticed a lot of other things, but that was not on the list, um, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. All of the all of the placards and stuff they are they are all Spanish, um, uh, in addition to English. So, I, mean, I guess they could also go off to to Aer Lingus um, because you know IAG is one big happy family, um, or I mean, <laughs> potentially, potentially even level. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting in terms of the way that IAG is potentially thinking about its its future f fleet flexibility. Um, so, okay, I'm going to put you to the test now. Um, each of you marks out of 10 for the new <laughs> seat. Joe. So just for the seat itself and the sleeping experience? Oh, just um, the, 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 the new upper class product. Yeah. I mean, as I said in my review on Simple Flying, I think you've got to look at upper class as being more than just a seat. And it's kind of about the whole experience, you know, the catering, the, the staff that are helping you. It, 
it's the whole thing and my overall opinion it's really fun it's very engaging it was comfortable I really loved it so for me it's an eight out of ten Tom what's your thought um so comparing it to the previous generation of the British show is business suite it's a huge step up so obviously um it's got to have a fairly high number in my opinion um I there was a couple of little issues here and there but again it was nothing that would make me say I'd rather pick another carrier um you know I found personally for me everything was more than enough um and I take on board like it's not for everyone but for me I'd probably say eight as well yeah it's 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 fascinating I'm I feel like I I basically agree with both of you. I think I'd probably do, if it was me, I'd probably give the BA seat a 7.5. And not just a seat, but the BA product a 7.5. Partly because of the sleeping problems and also partly because of the missed opportunity with the club kitchen. I think I'd give the, I would normally give the Virgin an 8.5. But I could, I would probably dock a good half mark for this table, um, and only a half mark rather than you know two full marks because they're already fixing it. Yeah. Um, so I think that if I'm comparing these two products overall, I would much rather fly the Virgin product again than the BA one, um, and because the the Virgin the problems with the Virgin product are problems that are being fixed or that are fixable. Um, the problems with the BA product, I think, are, are products that you can't really fix at this point, right? I mean, ignoring the door thing, because that's, uh, that's, that's a very specific set of questions. <laughs> um, but, you know, just the, 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 the fewer number of sleeping positions that, that I found myself comfortable in. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel that, 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 that knocks it off. But, um, but yeah, and it's also, interesting. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. tail, no tail cram on BA. Let's just point that out. And for any av geek, that's so important. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's so much on the in-flight entertainment system that you wouldn't even have time to look at the tail cam. <laughs> Why would oh, no. you want to, though? I, I mean, miss the on. tail cam. I miss the tail cam. Because um, there's none of the cameras. And I don't know why this is. None of the cameras have been integrated with the IFE system on, on British Airways. Um, and and that's sad, right? I mean, I was it was really interesting. I was um, on the on the flight back uh, on the Virgin flight back from New York. Um, they'd actually had another aircraft go tech, so the um, economy and premium economy cabins were full. Um, and what I found was fascinating is that as I did a walk through, the number of people looking at that at, at, at the tail cam in the morning. Uh, yeah. You know, with their cup of tea, that sort of thing where you're, you're just staring and you're not staring at a wall, but you're staring at, you know, you're staring into the sunrise over the UK. Yes. And it's all... I think it's a beautiful thing. It's amazing. And it's, you know, it's all HD and it works perfectly. And you've got a belly cam as well. So, you know, you can literally be flying across London as you're taking off. It's just gorgeous. I love it. I love it. I would never not install a tail cam if I was the owner of an airline. Well, exactly. And of course, it, <laughs> just as a last little aside, um, the fact you've got a forward facing cam under the aircraft also helps when, um, <laughs> if you remember, when we arrived in New York, um, they were parking this A350 in a new spot and the ground people gave them the wrong place to park in, like the wrong little line on the ground, as it were. I mean, it's all digital now, um, but they basically they part the ground staff parked the plane too far forwards for the jetway to get to the front door and too far back for the jetway to get to the second door. And so (laughs) 
the funny thing was, was after sort of 10 minutes of them trying to get the jetway on, the captain's like, no, everyone, please uh, sit down again. Uh, we're going to be here for a while while they figure out this and get us a tug. Um, but we could see the sort of 15 people clustered around the nose wheel sort of look at it going, oh, that is in fact not in the right place. <laughs> it was hilarious watching all the shenanigans. And normally you'd just be kind of sat there, the IFE would have gone off, you'd just be getting frustrated. But we were actually having a really good laugh, weren't we, John? It, we, we, were, we were. It was it was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll end today's conversation on that. Uh, listeners, we hope you enjoyed it and we're always keen to find out what you think. Please feel free to email me at john at runwaygirlnetwork.com with any suggestions. Thanks to our guests. Uh, Joe. where can people continue the conversation with you online? Okay, so find me at Simple Flying, of course. Um, people can email me at joanna at simpleflying.com. Uh, or I'm on Twitter at Ojo Bales, O-H-J-O-B-A-I-L-S. Super. And Tom, what about you? Um, so again, you can always find me on Simple Flying. I live there now. Um, so my email is tom at simpleflying.com or on Twitter, I'm at Thomas underscore Boone, B-O-O-N for November. Super. And as ever, you can find me on Twitter at ThatJohn and everything from RGN on Twitter at RunwayGirl and at RunwayGirlNetwork.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening.